Same week, same Wednesday, another episode. Here's the second half of episode two, episode two and a half. Let's go. Appreciate y'all. But all right, so we've talked a lot, a lot, a lot about games mattering. Now is when the games matter the most. This second weekend of March Madness coming up tomorrow. I know we made a lot of predictions last week on the episode. Uh, anyone anyone want to start me off for this weekend? Or based off your predictions last week? I know that mine were not pretty. Evan, you got it. Yeah, so I'm a Purdue fan. God bless your soul. Brutal, 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 brutal loss. But I will say, we I don't I don't really hmm. It w- it was obviously a very tough loss. Obviously, we set history once again by losing to a 16 seed after we've lost to now a 13, 15, and 16 seed in conse- consecutive tournaments. So, brutal there. But at the same time, watching the game, I wasn't surprised and I wasn't even that upset because I knew the team we had was a team that if we hit open shots, nobody can beat us. If we miss open shots, anybody can beat us. We saw this all season. We didn't shoot well against Rutgers. Rutgers beat us at home. We shot really well against Penn State. We beat Penn State. We shot really well against Ohio State. We beat Ohio State in that tournament. We didn't shoot very well against Rutgers in the tournament. Very close game. Luckily, we pulled it out the end. But IU shot terrible against IU both games. Lost IU twice. Like It was nothing unexpected. It literally just came down to could we hit open shots, and once again, we did not hit open shots. So I I'd love Matt Painter. He was a great coach. He did ex- he did everything he could, but man, that was a tough loss. And to see, I mean, but here's almost at the end of the day, I was so happy to see FDU win the game because they outplayed us. They worked harder. They played as a team. They had the hometown Columbus kid that went off and hit a three when he's shooting twenty nine percent, and we're basically just leaving him wide open. He hit the shot. Like this is what March Madness is all about. Like yes, it really sucks that it happens to my team, especially after the season we had. But at the same time, man, we love it. We're a week from it, like so. This probably doesn't matter, but I I wish FDU beat Texas Southern sooner so we could talk about it. But did you see the video of FDU's coach being like, "The yes, more I look I at Purdue, oh yeah, the more I think we can beat them." What What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that played uh, like anything to the players and the coaches being like, you know, this coach like he thinks he beats us? Do you think that that affected them at all? Or do you think that it just they tuned it out and just still played like that? So I bet Matt Painter in the locker room showed him the video and was like, are we going to let this guy talk, call his shot before he plays us, and we're going to let them, a 16 seed, beat us? Absolutely not. I bet that happened at the same time. What a great coach. Like, yes, it's maybe a little bit disrespectful. Yes, you probably shouldn't do it. And, yes, usually you don't see it because every other 16 seed but UMBC gets blown out by 30 points half the time. So you can't can't say that and then lose. The fact that he said it and then they won, he wasn't lying. Yeah. I mean – I'm I am all about hearing the truth. I believe you can if you're saying the truth, you say the truth and nothing but the truth. He said the more he watched us, the more he thought he could beat us, and they beat us. He wasn't lying. Yeah. I mean, what 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 do you, what else do you do, right? Like I mean, he could have said, yeah, I didn't really. Purdue's a really awesome team. It's gonna be really tough to beat them. No, he's like, the more I watch them, the more I really do think we can beat them, and he was a hundred percent right. I was talking to one of my friends as the game tipped off. I was on PlayStation with him, and I had had my games on on my TV to, the, to next uh, next to me. I was uh, talking to my friend on on my PlayStation, and I'm like, you know what? FDU game just tipped off. His like 
Tobin Anderson called before the game, like, the more I watch them, the more I think we can beat them. And then he even went and said, Purdue, I hope you're watching this. This wasn't even something, like, he said, thinking, like, and tried to strike confidence in his players. He was just, like, straight up, like, we're going to win this game. Like, I think that he didn't want to go out and say that because then you might have those players, like, pissed off. But he called his shot, and I said it as the game tipped off. If they call their shot and win, this is going to be possibly the greatest moment in college basketball history and quite possibly the most kick-ass thing that has ever happened in sports history. I think this one's just kind of funny. I think it rivals Doc Ellis throwing a no-hitter on LSD. See, I think I was – I would say it rivals AI stepping over Ty Lue. Like, this is the most, like – excuse my language, obviously, or explicit, but grab your balls and just shake them in some dude's face and stare him down when you just, like, broke his ankles or something. Like, this – like, like I just don't even understand. Like, you, I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. It's completely disrespectful. I would never do it, but I'm so glad he did because it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, what do you do? There's some weight for UMBC because they were the first team to ever do it. But I think FDU outshot. Oh, this is like, so much better. Yeah, so much better. Yeah, because UMBC, they just didn't miss a three. Like, they were just like our – they basically kind of went with, like, nah, I would say the Princeton approach. But Princeton plays really good basketball. UMBC was just yeah, like, trust me, we're, just, we're just going to launch threes. And if we hit them all, awesome. If we don't, we're just going to be another 16 seed. But they hit them all, so they won. FDU played really good basketball. FDU only shot like third. They only shot like two percent. They, 2% they beat us the in the paint. How yeah. do you get beat when you have a seven foot four dude? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it. And, it's, and like you said, UMBC shot the lights out. I just checked. FDU shot thirty percent from the three point line and thirty seven percent from the field. That's only two percent higher than Purdue from the field. And Purdue shot like shit from three. So them shooting eighteen percent is twelve percent higher. Thirty percent from three, not good by any means. And you were a sixteen seed and beat the one seed. Five for twenty six from three for oh. Purdue. We shot nineteen point two percent. Throw me out there. I shoot better than that. I shoot better than that from half court dang near. For real. That's horrible. And that's the thing. Like they were open shots. But like just watching it, like I've been around basketball a lot. I played in high school, all that kind of stuff. When you have when especially in come tournament time, when you're the guy like I watch Missouri, I'm watching Kobe, he wants to shoot the ball. Like he's yeah. like, Give me the dang ball, I wanna shoot it. And that's like when I watch Purdue play and this has happened all season, it's like we got our shooters spot up and ready and they're just waiting for Zach E to throw it out to shoot it. It's like you gotta be like when Zach has it, if you're open, they're not like demanding the ball. They're not shouting at him, Zach, give me the damn ball. I'm wide open. Give me the ball. I'm ready to shoot. I wanna shoot it. And like Lawyer has played terrible recently. He had that mindset in this game. He's like, I want to take these shots. And he played great. The rest of those guys, they were like, I'm just going to be ready to shoot when it's my turn instead of taking the shots. Like, there's a complete difference. We have no confidence in wanting to be the man because Zach was the man. So we can't take his – it was like we – yeah. And then when FDU's coach, like, he, he knew that if you go out and, like, you, you can't stop Zach Eady. Like, he's going to be 7'4", so they're just going to crash the paint. Like, you know what, we'll let him get his points. But, like, we're going to make these other people score. Like, we're going to make it difficult for Zach. We know we're not going to stop him because he still put up 20 and 15 or whatever. But it reminds me of, uh, like, the Ben Simmons treatment in basketball. Russell Westbrook's been getting it recently. Draymond said, like, when Russ first went to the Clippers, the Warriors were playing him, leaving him wide open. Uh, Draymond said, when you're taught, you're taught in basketball, you take the open shot. But if you're open every single play on purpose, you kind of start questioning yourself. Yeah. Which they're not lying. Like, the coach called out his game plan beforehand and said, we're going to make them hit shots. And then whenever those first few don't start falling, it, you start to be like, holy shit, is this going to happen? Like, you, you, you start to just question yourself. You lose confidence. You start reeling. You don't play like yourself. You play rushed. You play out of control. You play timid sometimes. Like, it's just 
it's we lost that game in the first five minutes of the second half because a bunch of one seeds, a bunch of high seeds, it's close at halftime. They're down at halftime. It's whatever. But it's about that first five minutes when you come out and you're like, all right, we're going to put the foot on the gas and actually like blow you guys out. They didn't do it. They were like they, they came out looking like FDU had a chance. And so FDU had a chance. That, that, that's what I was going to ask, because I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I was at work, but I kept hearing about it. Did Purdue make any changes, or did they just have that same play style the no. whole game, and there was like... like Yeah, they, they basically just tried to do the same thing. It was really unfortunate, because FDU, again, props to their coach, they didn't let our secondary kind of lineup do anything. Like, that's been our whole success all year, is that if anybody figures out kind of how to slow down Edie, because they're running the double, triple teams at him, and our guys aren't hitting shots, then we make a change and we put in Trey Coffin Wren. And he's awesome. He's a phenomenal post player. But usually because of how much of a big man and how much attention Edie causes, when we take him out and put in Kaufman, they don't double-team Kaufman, they don't worry about it, and they just play one-on-one. So then Kaufman Wren starts just blowing people up one-on-one in the post. And then they're like, well, now what do we do? Because now we let this guy get hot. And that confidence builds confidence in everybody else. They ran the double and triple teams at Coffin Wren, too. So they just did the same thing the entire game and didn't let us get any easy points other than our wide-open threes, and we just couldn't hit them. But the problem is what type of adjustments do you make as a coach? You put in the scrubs. You put in the – that was my biggest thing. I did not play a lot in high school. I sat the bench a lot. And we had one game – I played at Mount Vernon up in Fortville, Indiana. We played Greenfield Central at Greenfield Central, our rivals. And they had their floor freshly cleaned. Their band was there. They put the lights off for their intros. They were ready. It was hype. I mean, it was one of the best atmospheres of high school basketball I've ever been in. And they they ran a basic, like, not like a standing press. They didn't try and, like, steal the ball from us. They didn't pressure us. They were basically just a 2-2-1, just slow us down a little bit press. And we had no rhythm. No one was hitting any shots. Nothing was going our way. We turned the ball over a bunch. It was just a weird game. And I'm not saying I should have got put in this game, but we had a couple guys on our bench. We're not bad players. I mean, anybody in Indianapolis playing basketball is not bad. So we were all like, okay, at some point, you got to just bench the starters, throw in the scrubs, let us try something. And if we don't do any good, your starters weren't doing any good either. Maybe you'll light a fire under the starters. Like, at some point, you just throw in the scrubs. If nothing else can possibly work, maybe one of us goes out and hits two threes. And then all of a sudden, the whole team's getting hyped because it's like the walk-on just hit a shot at the end of a game, and everybody is super hyped. Then you put the starters back in, and they're rearing to go because they're like, all right, now we got to go put the go play our hardest because that guy just came in and did that. You bring up a good point, too. Like, you're on the team for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're not just, oh, a random kid. No, you're on the team for a reason. Give him a shot. Yeah, and I I think, like, lighting a fire under their ass, like, you see him hit the shot, it's almost like, all right, you know, like, that's hype. This guy doesn't get in a lot. He scores. It gets the whole bench going. But to the other point, say the scrubs go out there and do the exact same thing, kind of lights a fire under the player, the starter's ass at the same time. They're like, what the fuck? We were doing the same thing, and now you're going to bench us for these scrubs? No, I want back in. Give me the goddamn ball. Like they're Or going. it can scare your opponents. If you put in your bench guys and they have any sort of success, they're like, what the heck is going on? The starters couldn't do anything. Now these guys are going off. That gets in their heads a little bit, and all of a sudden that happens. If we had a tradition after every game, whoever was the player of the game would write a big W on the whiteboard when we beat a team. And we played a team named Connorsville. We went out there and played. Same kind of thing happened. I got in, I hit my first three I hit, I missed my next two, I finished the game with three points, I probably only played for two minutes total. 
I got to draw the W on the board because when I hit that three, the entire team got hype. Our fans got hype because it's like the short, skinny white dude just hit a three that never plays. So everybody's super hype for no reason. I just came in, brought a lot of energy. I was trying to hype those guys up, those starter guys, because that was basically my job on the team was to be a player coach, get them ready to go. That's all we needed. I came in for two minutes. I hit one shot. I was shot 33% on the game, only shot threes. Came right out right after two minutes, completely one by ten. We were down by seven when I win the game. Nice. So, that like, I, I am all for, and I hate that some coaches don't do this, like Purdue. We had a, we, we even had a deep team, but, like, Waddell, give Waddell a shot. He played not great all season, but give the guy a shot. You gave him a scholarship. Some of those other dudes on that team, maybe some seniors. We had Frost on the bench, which I think he might have been hurt, but, like, just throw one, even if you don't want to sub all five or even three, just throw one dude out there. Give him a shot. Maybe, if anything, you're going to piss somebody off on the starting lineup or the one of the main dudes off the bench, and maybe they'll come in with a fire because they don't want that to happen again. I think with this game, hindsight's kind of twenty twenty. So you look back and be like, damn, maybe we could have done this. Maybe we could have done this. But I think as like a rule of thumb going forward, if a game like that is happening and you realize I've tried this, that like, this is what we normally do and it works. And then if that doesn't work, we try this and we try this, we try this and nothing is working. What do you have to lose at that point? Like, obviously, yes, you have the game to lose, but you're going to lose playing your way of basketball anyway. So why not try something different? Because it's like my dad loves this saying, absolutely loves it, says it all the time. And it's, um, oh, my God, I think he says, like, being an idiot is doing the exact same thing over and over and over and expecting the same result. I, if you're doing the same thing over and over and over in the same game and then just being like, oh, well, it's probably going to change here soon, probably not. You're going to need a little something. Like, it doesn't have to be anything insane. Maybe you run just like a different combination of guys on the floor than what you might normally do. But – why does Big Ten have one team left in the Sweet 16? Because the Big Ten plays one brand of basketball. And so when that brand doesn't – it's all the tournament's all about matchups. When your one way you play is not working, you have to be able to play a different way. And if you don't have a second way to play, you have to muck it up and make it a dogfight and a rock fight. Purdue could not do that. They play, we play one way, and we were going to live and die on that hill. And we died on that hill. A lot of SEC teams, you're seeing them have a lot of success right now. Big East teams, even kind of the same thing. Big East teams like to play fundamental basketball, but when it comes down to it, they have some athletes. They have some dudes that want to play and want to be big names and want to be famous. They play at Madison Square Garden a lot. They've got those kind of guys. SEC, same kind of thing. They want to. They play kind of sporadic basketball, and that's how they play, but they can also play, bring it back and play a fundamental type of game depending on what they need to do. And that's the whole thing with the tournament is that all of these coaches are phenomenal. So they're going to be able to watch film and figure out some ways to kind of slow you down. So you have to have other ways to play. Penn State, you guys all talked up Penn State. They played phenomenal in that first game. I thought Texas A&M was going to win because they had those big dudes. But Penn State, obviously you have Pickett, who is a guard who posts people up and scores in the paint. Like, completely ridiculous. But if for some reason they put marble in the paint and maybe kind of slowed that down, what's Pickett do or what's Lundy do? They just go launch some threes from, like, 30 feet and drill them, like, they have other ways to play, and, and so that's Andrew the whole Funk, thing. That guy played like yeah. Jeter for like, day. Oh, my this? God. It was awesome watching him play. Yeah. But Penn State, they damn near should have won the second game, too. They were playing Texas super close. They were winning with like a minute and a half left, and Dylan DeSue turns into prime Michael Jordan, and it was unreal. Every shot he took, I'm like, damn, he took that? And then it went in. He had like 26 points, and he was like 13 to 15 from the field. He did not miss shots. They gave him the ball. He put it up, and I'm like, don't like that. Bottoms. Taking the next shot, I'm like, okay, heat check, I guess. Bottoms. It was unreal. 
Penn State took the lead and then, like, did not score again. Dylan DeSue put up, like, 10 straight points, and they start fouling. And then it's one of those, like, well, just gave that one away. And it's almost like one of those, it's like, what can you do? Because you played good defense. You took a lot of time, or not a lot of time with the shot clock, because there was, you know, it's games close to over, like Texas is kind of rushing being down. But you're like, okay, we weren't giving them easy looks. We're giving it to probably their fourth, fifth starter out there that they want having the ball. Like, you probably want some, one, of your, uh, one of your guards, one of your better players taking that. They're giving it to DeSue. And it's like, you know, I guess take a shot. And then n- nothing but net. And it's Team just with another way to win. That's that's literally all it comes down to. It's just like when we played IU, when Purdue played IU during the season at Purdue. We lost. We held trade Jackson Davis to zero points in the first half and lost because they had one dude that stepped up and hit 30. And that's the whole reason Purdue lost. Their FU's game plan was let's see if Brandon Newman or Floyer or one of those dudes can come out here and drop 30 on us and be the man. And they're like, none of them can do it. We've watched them all season. I knew that. They, they, this is not how they play. They play extremely good fundamental basketball. But that also means that when it comes down to it, they're not going to be that guy that says, all right, I'm, I'm just going to take this game over and just be that dude. Like, that's why Carson Edwards made Purdue so great. Because Carson Edwards, when we had Purdue with Carson, he could play fundamental. We could play our normal game. We had our big dudes. We had our guards. We had our wings. We played good defense. We could feed the post, kick it out, hit shots. But when it came to tournament time and things weren't going, he pulled up from the logo and hit three threes in Virginia's face. Like, that, that's what you do, right? So, yeah. All right. We can move on from Purdue. <laughs> Cole, do you have any games, first round, second round, that you were kind of – Surprise! Any teams that you were surprised by that maybe they didn't go as far as you think? Teams that are making any twelve seed. I expected any like I just expected at the at the beginning. I expected like or not expected, but I wouldn't have been surprised if all twelve all four twelve seeds won. But it was the complete opposite. Not a single one we moved on. It was all five seeds, and I was more surprised that all five seeds moved on than all twelve seeds. We said that on the last episode. I think we um we said. That we would not be surprised, however the record shakes out, two and two, three and one for any conference. But we said it could realistically be all four 12 seeds mm-hmm. win, all four five seeds could win. We said we'd be more surprised if all five won, and they did. We had so many 12 seeds, like this team can make a run, this team can make a run, and they all lost in the first yeah. round. And we talked about that being like that seed being such a like an upset alert. But now it, I mean, now that it hasn't happened, like you're still going to see 15 or 12 seed win, 12 seeds win their games but like i feel like we haven't seen one like make a like a run in a while but what the hell is up with 15 seeds now this is the third straight year we've had a 15 seed in the sweet 16 and before this run it had happened once in history i think that just speaks to the parody in college basketball right now i mean you you have a 15 seed but you know if you have a week two seed then arizona's not weak by any means they just had a bad game and it just happened to come against Princeton, like yeah. they really like. I'm looking at the stats. They really did not have a terrible game. They shot 18 percent from three. Princeton shot 16 percent from three, and they upset Arizona. Now, granted, Arizona shot 57 percent from the free throw line. Princeton only shot 60. Arizona only took seven free throws the whole game. Like that was the thing. When I watched Princeton play in their championship game to get into the tournament, they did not look like this team. Like they obviously played really well because they won that game to get in, but. They have played amazing basketball. And, like, it doesn't, like, usually when, a like, a massive upset like this happens from one of these lower teams, it's just because they just got hot from three and then the higher seed just had a bad game. But between FDU and Princeton, they held their own and just played better basketball. Yeah. And it's not even like Arizona was just, like, where maybe, you know, Princeton 
runs like a press or something. You're like, oh, shit, didn't expect to see that. Princeton turned the ball over 11 times, Arizona 13. It's not even like the turnover battle was anything insane. Look at the rebounds. Princeton yeah. out-rebounded yeah, by Arizona. One. By, by one, too. And it's not even like an anything. It's not like they did one thing where it's like, well, that's where they won the game. It was so evenly matched. They just did just a few things a little bit better. Arizona at one point led by 12. Princeton's largest lead was four. Guess what they won by? Four. It's That's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't. That was my one game that I absolutely locked in that two seed to win, and they did not win. On the like, on the other hand, I thought that was the one two seed that could lose. I in one of my brackets, I said that if any team is to lose out of the two seeds, it's Arizona, and I took Princeton in one of them, and I it, I guess paid out paid off well. So my brackets this year are ass. I'm not <laughs> yeah. gonna lie, this has got to be the worst year for brackets for me ever even money wise too like i some of my brackets you know you do bracket pools i the one bracket that i put money on guess who i had winning purdue in the in the middle of that game i never bet on purdue ever in the middle of that game i was like you know what i can make my money back fdu live money line plus 700 here's five dollars on it (laughs) so i did it thinking like you know if they lose it's an extra five dollars maybe i make my money back with my bracket if FDU wins, I make my money back. Brackets null. Like it doesn't even matter. I made my money back. So then I then you know this is kind of where sports betting comes back to bite you in the ass. You're like, I'm hot, baby. I gotta throw yeah. something else down. Next day, twenty five dollars Mizzou money. Oh line. my god, oh, Mizzou no. lost. Oh my. God. Never do that. I got too confident, but you know what? Never Heat check. That. I got I got like five bucks left in the in the in the account. I'm throwing down a parlay. It's gonna be nasty. Hopefully gonna win it. I did throw another three down, be- uh, three dollar parlay down. Uh, that was uh, it. The only thing I needed to hit uh, on that last leg was Baylor money line. Oh god! Every time that I bet on someone, I swear that like th- either they play the worst game of their career or the team they're going against plays like Jesus Christ on the playing field. So, so I'm gonna need you to do me a favor. Okay. You let me know your bets of the day, and I will happily fade. Okay. Yeah, that's what Cole says that all the time. He's like, dude, let me know what you put down today, so I'm just going to, like, fade you. I'm like, dude, like, you're an ass for that. <laughs> yeah. But it sucks because, like, there are so many examples that come to mind. Like, with Baylor, Baylor barely lost that game to Creighton. Keontae George was, I think, Big 12 freshman of the year. He averaged, like, 17 points a game. Dude puts up seven points, one of 12 from the field. That's terrible. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's not like he goes out and takes a super efficient shots because I said earlier or in the last episode – that Baylor scores a ton off the dribble. Not an efficient shot. Keontae George shot like 36% from the field this year. Not great, but it's also not good when you're shooting less than 10% from the field. And then even in the NBA, I remember I remember earlier this year, this is just another example. I'm going to go back to March Madness after this. But I bet on Brooke Lopez. It was like, I think, over five and a half rebounds I put money on him. He averages like seven. He had his lowest amount of rebounds in a game in the season. I'm like, all I got to do is get six. You average seven. Come on, Brooke, you got this, baby. One ball. Like, come on. I could have put a bucket out there. And it would have got at least two. It was unreal. Done the Giannis and just at the end of the game, just nice little off the backboard yeah. to yourself to get the triple double. I'm so glad the NBA rescinded that because stat padding pisses me off more than anything. But <laughs> it was it's just so unfortunate, man. I swear that, like, the, the betting gods just have something to get me, against me. You were talking about something earlier about being disrespectful and just, like, you know, like, grab your nuts in someone's face. Mm-hmm. I love when that happens. Did anyone see it happen in the FDU FAU game in the second round. Normally, I'm like, you know, I love when someone's like, last second mm-hmm. dunk, who gives a shit? Like, who was that team against Kansas a few years ago that that dude 
dunked with like two seconds after he picked that dude off and then like and like got in that guy's face down 50. I love that. You're down 50 <laughs> yeah. points. Who cares? Show some energy. FAU with like six seconds left gives the ball to one of their forwards. He drives down. FDU's walking up the court. They're crying, you know, like everyone's going to hug. They're getting in the line. Dude goes for a 360 windmill. Normally I love that. I'm like, yeah, like yeah, boom it, that though. baby. But then he missed it. He was going up for that. And I'm like, nah, you better miss this. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. After he missed that. Because you see, like, FDU, no one expects him to win in the first round. It's yeah. almost like your little yeah. brother, where it's like if you were to, like, if you were watching like, your friend play your little brother. <laughs> Hold on. Then, okay, friend. Okay. I was going to say you. I was like, no, no, no. When you play your little brother, you're showing off like a maniac. Or, yeah, or like your friend playing their little brother. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. your there little brother. Because you want to see your little brother get smoked. But you're like, you're watching. Stand uh, up for yourself, Cole. Stand on, Cole. up for yourself. Come on. Cole's my brother. I won't right now. Cole's like, I take, like, I'd beat Troy one on one every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure you do, buddy. But so it's almost like seeing your friend play their little brother. We're like, you, you want to see a good game. But at the same time, like, what's the point of your friend showing off? Like, come on, man. He's just happy to be there. But then FAU went up for that. And that kind of made me like root against FAU now. Now I'm like praying on their downfall because I'm like, you really just did FDU like that? Come on. That's just. One of those moments, and I'm going to track away from March Madness, but it's kind of like March Madness. So the D2 Elite Eight's in Evansville right now, and I worked that yesterday. <clears throat> this kid hit a three right in front of the opposing Wait, team. what team was it? Oh, I don't remember. Was it the last game? I think it was the last game. I think it was Cal State San Bernardino. He hit a three, turns around, flew a kiss to the team, <laughs> to the opposing awesome. team. I was like, holy See, they got to get rid of all the taunting penalties and stuff. Yep. Like, when you do that, like, now granted, if you posterize somebody – you can't like do the shack where you like shove them off you yeah. and do that stuff. But yeah. I'm all for the stare down. Yep. Yeah. Like these are grown men. I want to yep. see them like just go after each other. This isn't little kids talking mm -hmm. smack to each other. Like you need to control that stuff. Yeah. But, like especially in like the NBA and stuff. Like if you dunk on somebody and you call a tech for them screaming in your face, like I don't yeah. feel sorry like, for the guy getting dunked on. Like go down to the floor and do the same thing back yeah. to him. Like yeah. I want the back and forth stuff. Like, in the NFL, the, like, they have cracked down extremely hard on the taunting. Like, Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the league. He runs, like, 24 miles an hour. So he burns everyone, and what he does when he leaves someone in the dust, he does the peace sign. They started fining him consistently for that. Like, that's just dumb. That's, like, that takes out the fun in the NFL. That's why people are, like, they're calling the NFL now the no-fun league because it's stupid. You can't do anything. You can't celebrate at all. All they do is talk about how they want to improve their market and their money. I'm like – then you got to understand that everybody, all the young people, that's what we want to watch. Yeah, like we exactly. Wanna, we, exactly. Everybody wants rivalries. There's, like, no rivalries anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't, like, I've, I, I, okay, I'm kind of a weird basketball fan. I have watched probably in the past three years more, like, 90s basketball games. Like, I watch Hardwood Classic stuff than I've watched live basketball games. I love watching Reggie Miller talk shit to Spike Lee and all that with all the Knicks Pacer stuff or Jordan and Reggie Miller, all that good stuff. Charles Barkley doing whatever he's doing. Shaq doing whatever he's doing. Like, it was so much better. It was so much more fun to watch. Like, and with the talent level of these guys, like, I, I'll argument for a different day. I don't think basketball is good anymore. But that's, yeah, not, yeah, not important. But watching those old games, like, when you watch, like, Pistons play, like, the bad boy Pistons play people. It's so much fun because there's, like, true competitive hatred. And, and that's – The fans. The fans made it better. Like, I do not condone this. Ron Artest punching the dude in the face because he threw soda at him. I love that. Yeah. Like, that was great. And Like, where's that stuff? And those rivalries, like, th 
obviously they're not as big as what they used to be, but it comes with the taunting and the celebrations. Like, you see someone dunk, and it's like, damn, I just got dunked on. Like, it's kind of, like, disappointing. But if he was to shack, shove you down, point at you, like, do the finger guns, and then scream in your face, that's when you're like, god damn it, I got to get my get back. See, that but, should be where the, the threshold of the technical is. Because that's, like, when you, like, really yeah. mess somebody up, you want to do that stuff. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh, I'm pushing it if I, like, just flex. And not even looking, or yell at the ball and flex. Like, that's where the threshold dang near is now. Honestly, in the NBA, there have been texts for people, like, just giving the ball back to the ref, and the ref looks away, and right as they throw it, the ball hits him in the leg, they get a tech for, like... Yeah, I saw Tatum get one, because, like, they called a foul on Tatum, and he just kind of looked at the ref, then turned away and just kind of clapped his hands like, ah, dang it, and they teed him up. I'm like, why? There's one where J.J. Redick had a bad angle at the ref, and he put some English on the ball, and it's to spin towards him, and the ref, like, as he threw it, turned away to the board, or to the table, to, like report the foul and it hit him in the leg and jj reddick got a tech which pissed him off so he went to the ref argued and then kicked him out of the game like that's just bullshit i personally this might be a little extreme but i think you have to you do have to have a threshold but i want to see some crazy shit like i'm talking you dunk on someone and i want to see someone like get up in their face and teabag them like that would be awesome (laughs) extreme I would love to see that. Like, yeah, is it going to start a fight? Probably. Do I want to see fights? Absolutely yeah. I so, do. Why so, do you think, like, half of hockey fans, I don't want to, like, yeah. dog on you, but I feel like half of hockey fans love hockey just for the fights. Like, I went, to, one, I went yeah. to some, like, minor league, what's the Thunderbolts down yeah. here in Evansville? Yeah. I went to one of those games. Everybody in the stadium, there were a couple goals, there were a couple cheers. Nobody cheered louder than when their fights were going on. Like, that's, like... People love that kind of stuff. You want to beat. You want to see someone beat the shit out of the yeah. other person. Like, I'm even just fine if they just start throwing some shoves and then the teams get in and separate them. But then like the refs just go talk to them for a second and then we want to see those two get back on the court together and go at each other one on one. Like yeah. they'll just toss them. Yeah. We yeah, w- exactly. we want the rivalry. We want that competitive spirit. It's just like half the time the games now it's just about going to do your job and play the games and there's no fire behind any of it. I want to see some fights. Like as as many as possible. Like. Don't get me wrong, like the UFC and uh, and all that's cool, but I'm not going to sit and watch a full fight. I want to see someone play a competitive sport, have a fight in between if they get angry, and then go back to playing that <laughs> yeah, sport. Yeah, like, that's Clay what Thompson, I Thompson, Dylan Brooks stuff right now is awesome. Like, Because yes. Clay's just sitting there holding up his four rings while Dylan Brooks like, hey, we're coming for you. We don't care that you have four rings. We're going to try and kick your ass every time we play you. I'm all for that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That's it's, my favorite. Clay Thompson just goes out there. He shoots one of 14, <laughs> and everyone's talking yeah. trash. He's like, yeah, but I got four rings. But, yeah, yeah you yeah. missed 13 threes tonight, too. Like, like you said, I would like to see fights too, but maybe not to the extent of the malice at the palace consistently. Oh no, because no, like I don't want to see that every okay, game. Okay, I was like, gonna don't say wrong, I want to see some shoving. I want to see like some pulling people back. I'm I don't fine with like one or two fight. punches here and yeah. there before they get yeah. in between it. But then you just you give them yeah. the tee for the punch, yeah. but you leave them in the game, and then let's see them go at each other. I was other. gonna say because if he's trying to see a full blown malice at the palace <laughs> 2.0, that'd be a little intense. Because seeing that again would be hard now. Yeah, because then it's it now turns you're gonna get into like assaults and stuff. With yeah, the you're going to get involved and yeah. And then once you see a mouse in the palace two, three times, like holy shit, this is happening. And then it turns into like a okay, they're getting in the stands. Oh, here come the fans. <laughs> like it, it kind of just loses its 
it's it just it's gets kind of lackluster. Yeah. yeah. What I think something would be cool kind of gives you incentive to go to the games. You allow fighting, but only on commercial breaks. Like the Flint Tropics, <laughs> you're like, all right, and a break, kick his ass, and then like people just start like throwing punches. They're biting people. The cheerleaders get in. That would be so sweet. I would love to so, see that. So what I'm hearing is that you are gonna start like what the XFL is for <laughs> NBA, <laughs> and just say, you know what, no rules. We're saying like absolutely no technicals. You basically are just street like, rules. Uh, yeah, it's just basic. It's literally just gonna be boxing basketball. Almost. Call your own fouls. Yeah. 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 Call your own fouls. It's just just, just absolutely make a new level sport. Just make a new clothes line them. Yeah, just He's, make a new sport. That's not a foul. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you just like that dunk. What's the like the trampoline basketball? Oh, slam ball. Slam ball. Yeah, where they're slam just like awesome. literally just like shoving people out of the way yeah. and doing between the legs, getting like flung out of the arenas yeah. off the trampoline. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish that was televised more. Like, don't get me wrong. Like. There are times where I'm like, okay, I get that tech, but like every once in a while, I'd love to see someone just go crazy with it. Like, you know what? Let me teabag this guy. Yeah, I just hit a three in your face. Can, can we just appreciate that the new threshold for Troy is now actually putting actually putting balls in the opponent's <laughs> face? Like, <laughs> that's the new threshold for yeah. Troy. That'd be awesome. Te- like anything underneath teabagging is just not a technical, but teabag gets you teed up. But then it's also like, what's worse and what's better than a teabag? You know, like I, that get. That gives some fun discretion yeah. to the refs. I'd like to thing. see that because then players get creative. If there's no physical fu- contact and you're not, like, flipping birds or anything, I see no problem with it. Like, yeah. if it's just purely motions or voice taunting, I completely allow that. But mm-hmm. if there's some physicality, again, completely fine with some. I feel like the threshold should dang near be, like, obviously, like, trying to, like, trip somebody or do the Grayson Allen, just lock your legs around him so he can't get up, like, that kind of stuff. Throwing a punch should be a technical. Obviously, there's still room for some flagrance, like dangerous in the air kind of stuff. Like if someone like someone pissed you off and they go down and they go for a dunk and you literally just shove them and they land on their tailbone and break their tail. Okay, like that stuff, absolutely not. But I'm fine with the petty stuff where you like back somebody down. They try and like flop, get the charge. You dunk on them, step over them, stare at them, yell at them, and then they get back up and shove you. Just call like maybe a tech maybe not like that's 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 about where it should be i think that's one of those you blow the whistle and be like all right guys chill out separate them go back to play no technicals but you were talking about how in the d2 championship austin uh someone blew a kiss after a three back back home when i was in high school a kid a year older than me i was actually at one of their games he hit a three and the the uh student section was taunting him he was right in the corner right in front of him hit a three turned around double birds to the student that's fine it was awesome I loved seeing it. He got tossed from the game and suspended <laughs> for a few. It was sweet. No, you got to allow I that. I loved kind of seeing it. it was you know awesome. they're saying all sorts of stuff. Maybe not like – how many games do you even know? Like two. Okay, okay. That was yeah. insane. It was like five then. What the hell? Yeah, but like yeah. wh- suspension for one game. Like, okay, don't do this again. Like, Yeah, all right, man. Dude, we had a student section. A kid's like dad had died the same year, and they were yelling, that's his daddy, when one of our guys like hit a random shot. Like, oh. Yeah, it's like, Uh-oh. and you're they, they and you're gonna suspend hand. a guy for throwing up birds after they like student sections are ruthless, yeah. man. Like, are, yes, they are. They are brutal, and no one ever cares what they say. Yeah. Are we are we gonna include student section in the fighting? Like, if the student section just goes yes. off. Might as well just kick their ass too. Yes, they could. See, yes. seriously, I, I, honestly, fan, I'm cool with that. If you're a fan, you can say whatever you want as long as it's not like there's there's yeah. levels to what you can say. But basically, in terms of like taunting, heckling, I you should be able to say whatever you want. And if you're a player, you should absolutely be able to look at them and talk shit when you're playing your game and not have to worry about it. Like, yeah. the fan, the fans are there for the entertainment, so you should entertain the fans, and I don't think you should get punished for any of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, the players also know that 
they're better than the fans. Yeah. Like, you're sitting in the bin up in the stands while I'm playing the game because you suck and I'm better than you. Let's just get rid of overtime. We'll just have the fans, <laughs> the fans, the cheerleaders, the coaches, and the players all out brawl. Just duke it out on the court. Last man standing, whatever team they support, that's who wins. Okay, all right. I like La- that. I last love man that standing. What? No, no, we're talking about this. Last man standing. What's your definition? You're not going to kill a person, right? <laughs> At some point, you tap out. It's just like UFC. No one dies in UFC. Well, most people don't die in UFC. So you just at some point, you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to get back up. That 270-pound, seven-footer just fucking rocked me. Like, I'm, I'm all right, I'm out. I'm out. The, the refs, the refs, they're going to ref it like it's WWE. Yep. You see someone like tap, like you it. ring the bell. You yeah. get down for a pin, they're going to count it. I mean, granted, you're yeah. going to need way more refs because there's a lot of people at a game. Here's the thing. The fans are going to get in because, like, the basketball guys, like, they're seven-footers. There's some guys, like, freak athletes. It's going to take, like, seven little student checks and guys and grab onto their legs like they're mm-hmm. five yeah, try and pull down these athletes. Or they're just going to, like, jump up, climb up on the rim, and just be sitting up there waving at them because <laughs> all those kids can't even touch the net. Like I'd like, to, I'd like to see, like, some props being brought then. It's like you got those seven-footers. You got these little freshmen. They're taking them down like an AT-AT in Star Wars. You got one guy holds them. They're bringing, run a yo-yo around his legs and push him over. That'd be sweet. You just you just see a student say, like a student just grab one of the folding chairs, slam it up. So <laughs> Troy, Troy, there's a the name back. for this. It's called public school, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, oh my goodness, that would that would be sweet. But <laughs> yeah. we've gotten so off topic, it's unreal. <laughs> yes, oh it is. yes, it is. <laughs> so back to March Madness, just because <clears throat> this is kind of a little test too for my girlfriend because she listens to this. She was talking shit all weekend because she had a better bracket than me. Oh, I was boy. getting pissed. Oh boy. Then on Sunday, IU lost. Now who has the better bracket? Does she have IU going all the way? Yeah. She, not, not all the way. She, I think no. Final Four or okay. Championship. But she an still. IU fan? No. She's oh. a, she wasn't a sports fan until <laughs> she met me, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But, yeah, she was talking shit because this is like yeah. – this meant so much to her mm-hmm. that her bracket was better than mine. And I'm like, I have shit brackets every year. I don't know yeah. what you want from me. <laughs> At the end of the day, it really just matters who has the more Final Four teams. Because, like, like, picking all the little stuff here and there, it's so many upsets and all that kind of stuff. But if you know the, t- like, the big-time teams that go that far, that's what really matters. Yeah. So, Austin, who do you have winning then? Uh, I had Alabama. I had I had Chalk. I had the number one seed overall winning. Nice. Good choice. See, I'm not going to lie. Like, I – they're – out of the one seeds, I thought Alabama was really good, but I thought that it was going to be like a, like a Kansas or Purdue going to win. I'm not going to lie. There were teams that, like, I just didn't really believe in. Like, Alabama I believed in, but I thought there were other teams higher than that. But then, like, Tennessee. We kind of talked about this before we went live here. But what – why is Tennessee as good as they are? Like, they don't have Ziggler, their point guard. He's out for the year, and they're just dogging people. They look really good. You look at, like, UCLA. They're missing one of their starters, the defensive player of the year in their conference, and they're still in. You look at teams like Houston where we were all like, they don't come from a conference with, like, a ton of prestige like that where they're going to win championships. Their star players out. I mean, granted, he came back and played, but there were teams that, like, I would fully not be surprised if they were out and they're still in and contending, and now it's going to make me look like an idiot because all the teams that I put a ton of faith in have let me down. I'm looking at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They're old. Experience, they've, yeah. They've got experience matters in the tournament. Like, young teams can go off really early, but young teams always fail. That's why, like, Villanova was always so good, right? Because they always – they would still bring in some pretty good young prospects, but they developed and made all their guys work for those systems. And Tennessee has kind of done that. Obviously, they've had some transfer stuff here and there. But another thing – is international players like Vescovy? International guys are really good at this kind of stuff because they're playing in like 
they can play professionally by the time they're like 15. Yeah. So they played at these high level things, so they're not scared necessarily. Whereas a lot of there's a lot of pressure on these kids. A lot of these teams that are bringing on guys from overseas, it helps a lot. And another big piece, Kirk Creesa from Arizona just entered the transfer portal about three hours ago. That's huge. You've got a guy that's played already two, three years college basketball. He's won like a he's been like a first team all Pac twelve player before. He's been on teams that have been really, really good. And he runs a point guard like a true point guard. Like he'll give you twelve points, eight assists, and like Evan was saying, overseas they have a different level of competition. Like that is a huge, huge get for a team that's possibly trying to get over the hump. Like he's he's going to be a big time person in the transfer portal. Since this is somewhat on topic now, <clears throat> I want to open this to the floor. What are you guys' thoughts on the transfer portal? Like that does that change anything with like how things are run now? Obviously that that's a yes. Like that's an easy question to answer. Like it, it changes a lot. But for teams in the March Madness, like if you have a bad game, you know, I'm not gonna say that Arizona losing to Princeton in the first round was the reason that guy transferred, but like if you have a bad game you just lose the people, like I personally hate it because as a North Carolina fan, we have already lost like four people this year. And those four like good bench players that didn't get much playing time because our starting five was so good from our run last year that we just stuck with it this year. But like, I, I, I'm going to sound like Damian Lillard right now, but like, I feel like these players, if they're not getting the playing time that they, that they think they deserve as a freshman, they're just running from the grind and just going to some other college to just hopefully get more minutes. And that's I don't the, like that. That's the worry is that I worry that it's going to start modeling the NBA mm-hmm. where the teams that have the most NIL money to give and mm-hmm. basically all of the guys that go to like Peach Jam and IYBL or EYBL or whatever those big tournaments are and start making friends with all the best dudes mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they all just start teaming up. I'm, I'm very scared that with NIL especially and then the ability to now move with the transfer porter that we might start seeing some college basketball super team making. It hasn't happened yet, and so far I think I, I don't know if it will necessarily happen in college anytime because a lot of people really do care about programs and coaches, and there's just so many different places that you can fit, and a lot of guys maybe really want to be the number one dude because they need to be able to showcase their talent to get to that next level. So maybe it won't happen, but I do definitely worry that the transfer portal – I think it's a great thing for some guys, but I think it's going to get overused, yep. and it's really going to make – I'm worried that it's going to make the top teams better than the lower levels. But then, like, you see the, the tournament this year. All these random low-level teams are still beating all the best ones. Yeah. So then it makes me not that worried because I thought that all the best players at these low levels, it's gonna it's really hard to transfer. So you wouldn't see as many of them go to the top-tier teams. And then the top-tier teams would run everything and you'd see no upsets. But here we are, so maybe that's not relevant. I think you need to put a little bit of a limitation on it. Um I'm okay with the one-time transfer rule. It's like, okay, you transfer, granted automatic eligibility. I think maybe before it might have been a little harsh because there were – like if it's just like, a, oh, I don't feel like playing here anymore. Let me just go to a new team. Like if there were no problems and it's just like, okay, then, yeah, maybe they can sit out a year. But you have players with extenuating circumstances. I think of uh, the tight end that transferred to Illinois. Name slips my mind right now. It was a few years ago before you granted automatic eligibility. He transferred back home because um, his grandfather was like battling a disease about to pass away and like he was going to be there to help take care of him and he wanted his grandfather to be able to make the games to play him ncaa they deem him ineligible his grandfather passes away in the middle of the season he doesn't get to watch him play football anymore and he's like i just let this program that i like to come be near my family so i can spend my grandpa's last moments with him and then the ncaa ripped him of that 
Like, I think if you have a circumstance like that, it's okay. But at the same time, if you got guys like, for instance, Eric Stevenson played for West Virginia this year. I love him. He may be my favorite West Virginia player of all time. He played five years in college and plays played on four different teams. Like, how is he eligible every yeah. single year to play for a different team? It's like he's going every year. But then, Cole, you were talking about players running from the grind. What about, like, Puff Johnson? He was at UNC. He just transferred. Like, yeah, he's got family ties there. His brother played there, and he got playing time this year. He averaged, like, what, five points, two boards? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, next year, like, if he goes puts in that work, maybe he does get to be the star player. But what's wrong with him being like, you know what, I wasn't the guy this year. Let me go play at, like, maybe he wants to go to a smaller school. Maybe he wants to go play at, like, Iona. Like, you know, they just got Tobin Anderson. Like, he's like, oh, we got a good coach. Like, they got a solid squad. Like, they've, uh, they're in the tournament every year. Maybe I can go be that guy. And then that's not, that kind of builds the credibility of the smaller teams. They can add some of these players that were not as big pieces, but then it gives them a chance to shine. Yeah, but to be fair, though, in this situation with North Carolina, we're, we're losing Puff, uh, Leaky Black. I don't know if Pete Nance is coming back. Caleb Love will most likely declare. Actually, no, he won't. He was terrible this year. He's probably going to come back to build up a stock again. I don't know what I, Ar, I don't know what Arj is going to do, but we're losing Leaky for sure. That's exactly what Puff would become a starter. So I don't. He he would easily have a chance to possibly be that guy, get starting minutes, but he's immediately leaving. I don't know if starting minutes were his thing though. Like I mean, you had a team that's a little bit disappointing this year, maybe because this is Hubert's second year. Was is Puff sophomore this year, junior? Do you know? Puff is yeah. a sophomore. He's a sophomore? Okay. So, I mean, did do you know if Hubert recruited him? Uh, no, it, it would have been Roy because okay. Roy was here when we recruited him, and then his first year playing was with Hubert. Okay, so maybe he just wasn't I a fan believe. of how Hubert coached anymore. Which wouldn't surprise me. Hubert's not very good. And then, honestly, like he might have stepped into that starting role, but who says the opportunities are going to be there? Like He's still going to be on the court more. But Puff Johnson's probably thinking, what's stopping Caleb Love from shooting the ball 45 times a game this year rather than 40 times? Like, he might not think, like, the yeah. shots are going to be there. There are, there are shots up for the taking. But let's be honest, it's probably going to Caleb Love and probably Armando Baycock because it's coming back for you. you got a really good player, and you got a guy that just absolutely chucks, and no matter what you tell him, he just keeps letting yep. it fly. Like you, it, But there is still a chance that he does declare. Like, most likely he won't, and he was going to come back to raise the stock. But there's still that chance because he has a big ego. Does staying kind of, like, boost your stock? Like, that loyalty kind of – does that play a factor at all? Uh, it kind of depends. For, for It's hard with NBA, at least, because they have such a value on youth. So, for him to stay, he's losing a year of NBA, so they don't like that. Like, you see a lot of guys in college, they're obviously very good, but then when as soon as they get into the pros, all of a sudden they make this massive jump. Like, Jason Tatum was phenomenal at Duke. And then as soon as he goes to the pros, he had that rookie year where he played really well, but then that second year he was already a superstar. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of teams really want to get you as soon as they possibly can, which is why the one and done or why go into the G League. for like they, they really value that one-year thing. And Caleb Love, he had a great season last year. Oh, yeah. And then he came back because he was like, all right, well, let's try and win it this year. And then this year he has played very, very poorly. So for him to stay – He's like that perfect, we don't know if it's going to help him. Because if he comes back and plays really good again next year, takes better shots, takes care of the ball, leads to winning, he's going to boost his stock even though he lost a year. Yep. If he kind of stays where he's at, he killed himself because yep. he just lost another youth yeah. year. If and got NBA just doesn't want juniors yeah. and seniors. Yep. Yeah. If he goes back to college next year and plays the way he did this year, I can almost guarantee he will go undrafted because he's 
22 at that point, 21, and he's clearly not playing good basketball. Who's going to want a guy that's on the like, one of the older players in the draft and is also one of the worst players in the draft? No one wants that. No one wants that. Yeah, I mean, this was – I just looked it up. You're talking about how they value their youth. In the past <clears> – <throat> in last year's draft, only two players were taking in the lottery that were upperclassmen, that being a junior or senior. It was Jalen Williams from Santa Clara and Ochai Agbaji from Kansas being a senior. Those were the only two uh, lottery picks with being in the first 14 that were not a freshman, a sophomore, or like a G League player slash overseas player. Yeah. So you see some of these guys that – Maybe, like, after their freshman, sophomore year, they're not ready. Then they're juniors. Their stock might be good, but they might think, like, damn, like, I'm a junior. I'm still probably not going to get drafted high. Like, those NIL monies, like, you see Oscar Shibway at Kentucky. Like, he was really good national player of the year last year. He probably wasn't going to get drafted very high anyway, so he's like, I don't really know if I can raise my draft stock. Let me go out here, make a shitload of money at Kentucky, because he's going to make more money off NILs at Kentucky than he's going to make off his rookie contract being a late second-round pick or undrafted. Like, mm-hmm. that's where it the NIL money is huge because then, like, it it sways the transfer portal to Evan's point earlier where you can just kind of buy players and just whoever has the most money to give out, you're going to get the best transfers. But at the same time, if you have a player that's an upperclassman, it kind of entices them to stay sometimes because it's like, okay, the money here is better than what it's going to be at the NBA. Kind of not doing away with, but instead of having one and done, we're like, oh, well, I'm good enough to make the NBA. Let me just go get my money. Now they can make their money in college and not have to worry about making a dumb decision that potentially screws them if they go into the NBA and it's just not for them. They're not ready. But I back to uh, – I feel like it's like the fourth time. We've been like, all right, back to the tournament. But are there any teams left that you guys want to see win or that you realistically think have a chance? I think there are a lot of teams that heading into the tournament, people are like, oh, they actually have a chance. I think it's Alabama, UCLA, Texas, unfortunately. I hate Texas, so I hate saying that. And Houston. I think those are the four teams that real Cole, you got your hand up. I'm gonna throw UConn in there yeah, just that's, because that's when I was younger, I was in a store with my family and we were buying cups and the and I like dogs and the cup I saw had the Yukon Huskies logo, which was just the husky, and I bought it. Ever since then I've been just like an honorary fan of Yukon, so I'm pulling for them just because of the cup. You like dogs. I like dogs, too. Give me Marquise Noel. Oh, my God. He is so good. Kansas State, they might not have a realistic shot, but by God, do I want to see Kansas State win a championship. I, see, I, I think you're – I think Kansas State can beat Michigan State, and then mm-hmm. I think they can easily – I don't want to say easily, but I think they can handle Tennessee, and I think they can handle FAU. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think – like I said earlier, I think they can handle Alabama, too. I think Kansas State – Watch the San Diego State game with Alabama. I still have Alabama winning it all, but San Diego State, because I thought they were going to lose to Charleston, and then I thought they were going to lose to, well, Virginia, but they played Furman. Furman, But San Diego State, that could be a game. So you made, like, that's a game to watch, but you're right. Kansas, like, Kansas State, especially the story, right? They lost, like, half their team. They lost their coach. like, two returning players. They got Keontae Johnson, the guy that collapsed on the court with the heart problem, and then this new Marquise Noel guy, like. He's not even new. He was on their team last year. Well, yeah, but he didn't do anything last year. Their head coach. Their guard. Their head coach is, this is his first head coaching job ever, like, in Division I. That would just be an awesome story. I mean, I still got a pull for Miami. I got a pull for Nigel. Yeah. Um, I've. It, it's they have the toughest path because they've got Houston and then they've got Xavier or Texas. Wait, but I like I like UConn. I don't Gonzaga UCLA. I feel like it's gonna be the weirdest basketball game I've ever watched. 
I just are the complete opposites. I just want it to be the equivalent of what it was the last time they played in 2021, that Final Four matchup. Yeah. I want it to be the equivalent of that because that game was electric. Coming down to the Jalen Suggs half court, which mm-hmm. pissed me off because I wanted UCLA to keep going since they're the 11 seed, and I hate Gonzaga, but that would have been awesome. I think that's going to be such a weird game. But can you read those four teams off earlier that you s- that you said they had a chance of winning? It was Alabama, Houston. Alabama, Houston, UCLA, and Texas. Okay. I'm Houston. all out on Houston. No Same. chance. No I, I'm, chance. I'm not a fan of Houston. Or, uh, do you say Houston or UCLA? Houston. I, Houston. I don't think they I don't, have any chance. I don't think Houston either. Honestly, I don't really think UCLA either. I, I mean, those are the teams that like are the consensus picks. Personally, not a fan of them. But at the same time, if you listen to our first episode, like, what's making you think, like, oh, listen to these guys, because we had, like, all the people that we were picking, all the upsets we were picking, completely wrong. And if you listen to me any other tournament, if you'd be like, okay, this guy's got, like, a little bit of something, like, he picks some games, right? This is terrible. This year is just so bad for me. I feel like I just cannot catch an L or catch a win. Like, every game is just L after L. Mm -hmm. I think Creighton-Princeton will actually be a really good game. I was going to mention Creighton. I I feel like Creighton could take it to Alabama. They... So good. Ryan Nembhard has looked fantastic in the tournament, and Kalkbrenner is ju- he's he's very good. He's kind of Cal- like Zach E. White, but he's still really good. Kalkbrenner hasn't seen a lot of athletic competition with his size, no, though. He hasn't. So that's my worry that if they play Alabama, Alabama has that insane athleticism, mm-hmm. but they're also fairly fundamental. Like that's the whole reason. Like Creighton beat who they beat first? NC State. They had who's NC State have that massive dude with the little weird hair going on. Yeah, like, Hulk messed him up because <laughs> that guy had zero idea how to guard a fundamental post player. He's just big. And then Baylor, he was just b- better than the Baylor bigs, but I think Alabama's going to give him problems. Yeah, Baylor's dudes are just big. They play they play tough. It's one of those where it's like they almost feel like it, it's they're picking up guys that haven't played basketball before. It's like they, they have played, but they're guys like they can't dribble, they can't shoot, they know how to play re- – they know how to get rebounds, and they know how to play defense in the post. They've got a bunch of junkyard dogs. But, like, I just don't think that Baylor had the size. Like, they, the, uh, their big men are always 6'8 and just, like, thick. You just remind me of the Torian Prince. Uh, yeah. The, the re- yeah. Yeah, the, the rebound. The press conference. Yeah. Right. A rebound is when yeah. you go up and you grab the ball. Mm-hmm. One team no one has mentioned yet is, is Xavier. No, no faith in them. I could see them, like, maybe making the championship. I could see them knocking off Kennesaw Texas. Kennesaw State ran them to the end. I know. Obviously, they played great against Pittsburgh, but. But I did see Xavier play West Virginia live, and that was some of the best defense I've ever seen. Like, they locked up in the second half and just, like, wiped the floor with and, West Virginia, honestly. And Xavier, like, they're a team, like, they fight. Like, you were, West Virginia had them, like, they were leading all game from, like, tip until 10 minutes left in the second half. And then it felt like Xavier just, like, turned it on. It was like their defense was locked. West Virginia was hitting a few shots. And then it just felt like every time that we got a bucket against them, you'd look up and it's like, holy shit, they've scored four buckets now. And then even Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State ran them. The last five minutes, Xavier's like, holy shit, like this is fight or flight. And they kicked it. Like they turned it on. I think that that's a team that like if you put them up against the ropes, they're just going to start swinging and it works out. Like they are a tough team. Yeah, but but no offense, West Virginia and then Kennesaw State are not Texas. That is true. Texas has also kind of done that same thing. And then you also look, Texas knows how to put teams away. Kansas never loses. And they never get blown out, especially. It's always very close. Texas has blown out Kansas. They don't let teams get back in. If they start going, they just keep rolling. A lot of teams, you talk about adversity, 
Texas has also gone through some adversity as well. Head coach, obviously, getting fired. Middle of the season, you've got an interim head coach. Not a whole lot of things tougher than that. Just coaching change, dead middle of the year, still being a two-seed, and now you're in the Sweet 16. I mean, granted, that is hard, but also they're playing for each other. Like, because of that, they have – you were absolutely right. They've seen adversity, but some teams crumple, and they have done the exact opposite. They've gotten better since they lost Chris Beard. And they're playing for their coach. They love their coach, and they love each other, and they're playing hard for each other. So I I still watch out for Texas. Do I think Texas is going to make a run? Yes, I think Texas is probably going to make – like I think they win at least two more games to make the Final Four. Do I want Texas to lose? Absolutely I do. Like I, I feel like I've said it so many times on this uh, on this podcast that I hate Texas, but like all bias aside, they're a fantastic team. Like so many good players. No, no offense to Miami, but I think Xavier is the toughest game for the week of the weekend for Texas. That's true. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know that Penn State game. Penn State is a is a hard team to play because they're completely different than every other team in the nation. Xavier is just another Big East team, but they're just very good. Yeah. Penn State is not a normal Big Ten team. You don't have guards posting you up and shooting like five until like, he gets to five feet from the rim and then shooting a fadeaway on you. Like, and even whenever you double him, it's almost like you're like, what the hell? I have to double this point guard out of the post, hit it to Funk. Yeah, hit it to <laughs> Funk, who is pretty much Jimmer for dead. Let me just pull this from the logo. Like it's again, it, I still think Xavier is phenomenal. Like yeah, they are a yeah. very well put together team. They're built for a tournament run. I just Texas has just looked so impressive. All right, so how about we go like little little prediction? Alabama, San Diego State. Who you got? Alabama. Bama. I'm going Bama as well. I know I have Bama winning it all. I'm actually I'm gonna go with San Diego State and just say screw my bracket at this point. It can't get yeah. much I'm, worse. The, I thought San Diego State was out first round against Charleston. That was like my one twelve. Like that was my like number one twelve five lock besides Oral Roberts and Duke, just because Duke is like they were coming in hot. I just thought Charleston was going to wipe the floor with. San Diego State, and no, it did not happen. Yeah, my reasoning behind this is because Brandon Miller was 5 for 17. Sure, he dropped 19 points, but he was 5 for 17 against Maryland. And he was like one of – like, Yeah, he like scored one of what? something in there against – He the didn't 16th. score in the first yeah, game. Yeah, didn't even so, score. Yeah, like, you got to have your superstars. At, once you get to the Sweet 16, you got to have that one dude. Mm-hmm. And he if he turns it around and plays great, they will yep. win. If yep. he struggles again, and I think San Diego State has the kind of defense to maybe – Screw that up a little bit, make it a rock fight. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll, even though I still have Alabama winning, I'm gonna pick San Diego State for the podcast. I mean, I I could see. I don't know. San Diego State plays really good three point defense, and I mean, like I know Alabama's not like a huge three point team, but it's like you know any production you get, they they shoot 34 percent, so it, it's it's not like a terrible percentage. But Charleston was one of the best shooting teams in the nation when they came in, and Charleston shot like 20 percent from three point against them. They hold them really well. I mean, like you said, Brandon Miller has not played great. Outside of that, you look at some of their other players, like you got Sears averaging 12, Clowney averaging 10. Like if you can like if you can key in on Brandon Miller and hold those other guys down, it kind of turns into like a Purdue game where it's like, okay, we've got this guy shut down. Someone else do something. Like we dare you. Yep. And, I mean, like I think Alabama has the guys that are – like they're able to take over games where Purdue doesn't. But, I mean, I think San Diego State definitely has a shot. I just think that Alabama is – just the team to beat. Creighton, Princeton. Anyone think Princeton makes a St. Peter's run? I, Princeton. Yep. Yeah. I wanted. I. I just want to see it happen. Yeah. I mean, it genuinely like it genuinely depends on how that first half goes. If Princeton looks exactly like they looked all weekend long last weekend, then Princeton absolutely has a shot. Mm-hmm. But it, it it really just depends on that first weekend. I'm 
for the podcast, I'm going to go Creighton, but I would not be surprised if Princeton made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. I think Creighton will win. I would have normally thought Princeton had no chance, but since they beat Arizona, who has a monster big man, and they were able to still figure out how to win that game, if they can figure out how to kind of control Culkburn a little bit, they could win, but I still think Creighton's probably got them here. Yeah, um, I I agree. I mean, Creighton's just – they've got guys that hit tough shots. They've got – like Baylor Shireman shoots it really well. Ryan Nembard shoots it well, takes some tough shots, and then you've got a seven-footer down low. I mean, and like you said, he doesn't face super athletic players. But, I mean, no disrespect to Princeton, but, like, when is an Ivy League player got, like, an athletic seven-footer that's just going to dog someone like that? Like, I don't I don't see uh, Stanford had the Lopez twins, by the way. Not an Ivy League team. It's not? No. No. I'm dumb, then. Never mind. Take, I'm taking back <laughs> what I just said. It's just Very, a smart school. But yeah. It's, okay, it's never mind. similar to an Ivy League school, not the Ivy League. No. Yep. Taking that back. Never mind. Um, FAU Tennessee. I mean, I know that we were all we were all FAU. surprised by Tennessee. I think FAU can, can definitely definitely win this game. FAU. They got some dogs. They got guys that like John L. Davis. He's playing to put food on the table. Like they got guys that are like pl- they're like playing for their next paycheck. Like that's obviously like not how like literally, but that's how they're playing. I missed both of FAU's games, so I haven't actually seen them play yet. But I watched a little so bit of the Tennessee, but. I watched a little bit of the FDU and FAU game. That was a great game for what it was worth. But uh, that's the thing. They only won that game by eight, but I think FDU is still a good team, so quality win. Yeah. So, but I, I, since I haven't seen them play, I'll still go Tennessee. Yeah, I mean. Especially after beating Duke. Like, they're riding high right now. Yeah, so, they if, they, if they overlook FAU, they're in trouble. But if they take it seriously, they clearly have the kind of team to win. So They beat Duke by 13, Tennessee did. I don't know how much you chalk that up to it being Duke in a down year. I mean, yeah, they were hot, but they weren't great. What? How did Filipowski play in that game? Uh, he flopped a lot. Thirteen point. They held Filipowski to thirteen points, six to sixteen shooting, zero of five from three. Granted, some of that may have just been he just didn't hit shots. Crazy. But Proctor also one of five from three. So if Tennessee can really bring the defense, FAU might be in trouble. Yeah, I'm gonna go Tennessee, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 different to predict these games when you have basically a whole week to prepare and you just don't know what's going to happen. Like mm-hmm. obviously that's the same thing for the the round of 64 and round of 32, but mm-hmm. like these teams have had a whole week to prepare. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it 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 really feels like heading I feel better about picking teams before the tournament starts than I do after the sweet 16 because it's like you have a whole season's work you're like they do this well and this team does that bad. So I think for that reason they're going to win. But like after the tournament you're like Okay, throw it all out the window. Who's been yeah. playing well? Like, who's got that dog in them? Who's who's playing their hearts out for this? But I don't. Know. I I've got FAU back in Kansas State, Michigan State. I got Kansas State. Kansas State. They've Tom, got Tom Izzo does some crazy things. Michigan yeah. State. I gotta I gotta go Michigan State. Yeah, I love Kansas same. State, but especially Keon. They who who they just play Kentucky kind of yeah. figured out how to play Keontae Johnson, and I don't think that Marquise can beat him by himself, and I think he Izzo, beat Kentucky by and himself. And Izzo, yeah, that's true. Um, but I, he put up 30 and, like, 10 assists, and they've got some other athletic I dudes. don't think he'll do that again. But Kentucky has zero it. fundamentals this year, mm-hmm. and Michigan State, Michigan. come tournament time, Izzo makes his dudes do exactly what he wants them to do. He's, like, playing chess out there. I got to go with Michigan State. I'm going State. Michigan State. Do you, 
I know you said that you don't think Marquise Noel can win this game again, but if they stop Marquise Noel, do you think Keontae Johnson just comes in and like can you really do you Izzo, really think that you can go in and be Izzo like absolutely out both of those two? I Izzo don't finds a way. I don't know much about Michigan State basketball, but one of my good friends does and he says that they have two guards like a guard like a guard slash wing that play very solid defense that could easily get it done against them to give them the upper hand. Plus they have Joey Hauser who's like a top shot maker from literally anywhere on the court, I think they get I think they get it done. Peace to Miami predictions. I Miami. I'm gonna go Miami. All Miami, Nigel Pack, he's gonna have twenty I, points. I've been super impressed with Miami. Drake mm-hmm. Drake was my twelve seed lock to make it to the second round. Yep. And Miami handled Drake and then mm-hmm. Miami just handled IU, no yep. problem. So I've been very impressed. Yep. I think they can handle East I East hope East Sasser East. it plays really well because I really want to see Isaiah Wong finally play really well, and I want to see Isaiah versus Sasser kind of go at it because Isaiah was the uh, ACC's player of the year. So I'd love to see that matchup, and then hopefully if they focus on Isaiah, then Nigel can go off and kind of hit like six threes again or something like that. I've been burned by Houston in the past, so I'm going I, – I, every time I feel like I bet against Houston, they end up making me look silly. So I, I, I'm I, going Houston. I mean, I know Marcus Sasser coming off a groin injury, but like – he was cleared to play last week. He's got a week rest. I think that he comes back. I, I he's gonna. I think he's gonna do it. He's gonna beat him. And I think that they lose probably next round to Xavier, Texas, one of the two. But Just heading into that next game, I, I think Texas wins. Texas. Yeah. Xavier. I. I Why? Don't like I said earlier, that that defense I saw from that one game that I saw in person, like December tenth, did it for me. Fair enough. Ever since then, I think I think they just they're just underrated team and honest and also the Big East is very underrated. They're way better than true. people think. That's very true. And no one no one sees that until now with four teams or whatever it is in the Sweet Sixteen. I feel like every time I watch Texas play, they just bring <coughs> insane energy. So that's what I'm expecting. Like I just feel like Texas is gonna come out. Xavier plays really good defense, but Texas scores in a lot of ways. Like they've got Dassue, like I was talking about, he had a bunch of tough shots against Penn State. They shoot the three well. They've got athletic guys that can drive into the paint and finish. They've got big dudes that they can give the ball to them down low. They can go to work, and they're super energetic about it, a lot of heart. I think that Texas Texas handles them. Especially, I know that Xavier's been without Fremantle for a while, but that's another one of your like key players that you're missing. Does that come back to hurt you? You're like, damn, if we had Fremantle this game, does he do this for us? And that causes us to lose. I mean, I think if it's a back-and-forth rock fight, Xavier wins if they can keep Texas from going on big spurts. But I don't – Texas just randomly will just start going ridiculous. Carr just starts doing weird stuff. And then DeSue is obviously really good. So I think they're going to do that. I got UConn over Arkansas. Yeah. I think I, I might have UConn over I'm, UC. Like I picked now. UConn to win in one of my brackets. Same. So I kind of look well. smart right so now. I also did. <laughs> And the rest of that bracket looks like shit, but like oh, yeah. is all that matters. So exactly. I'm taking UConn, but I would not be surprised one bit if Arkansas comes out and yeah. like dominates yep. because I that agree. team is like they've like, got good. They've got That's studs. Like they got Brazil. They got Ricky Council, Anthony Black. They got the yeah. Mitchell twins. Like they've got so many guys. I'm like Nick Smith Jr., Jordan Walsh, and a great coach. Yeah, for real. They've got so many guys. Where I'm like. Yeah, Muscleman is phenomenal, and, and again, he's one of those. I feel like almost in the tournament, you got to have a coach that gets hyped. Yeah, like that there's some like obviously you can have like a Shashevsky type where they're a lot more getting. placid, but at the same time, yeah, you got a guy yeah, ripping take, his shirt off, his shirt off after game, hyping that's up awesome. the fans. Like I want to want to play for that. Honestly, right? I want UConn to win it all, but I would also love to see Arkansas win that just to see like how many times this dude takes his shirt off after their wins. Now, 
He's like the new Kirk Cousins of swag, but exactly. for NCAA. Exactly. I'd like to see Bob Huggins rip his shirt off after a West Virginia win. Yeah, that'd be a sight. Maybe if they just, win the whole just thing. Just a site. Just yeah. a site. It would be something in that. Tweet it's one of the sites. If you ever win, like, the next time you win, like, a conference championship or the real championship, you got to go shirtless. See, yeah. the problem is he's never won a real championship, and West Virginia's never won a Big 12 championship yeah. since he's we've been in the Big 12. So, like, I don't know if it happens because I don't know right. how much longer Hugs, win, uh, Hugs coaches, but I will tweet him that after this. <laughs> I will go out and tweet him, at Bob Huggins, if you yeah. ever win a Big 12 or national championship, I expect you to rip your shirt off a la Eric Musselman. Get up on the scores yeah. table too. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that might break. <laughs> it would. It would. <laughs> you, had, you had to give him an incentive. Like, I'll get a tattoo of your face on my ass <laughs> if you do that. Oh, dude, I've I've said it on many accounts before that if West Virginia ever wins a national championship, football or basketball, I'm getting a tattoo. My friend texted me the other day. Was like. He said, if Duke wins the national championship next year, I'm getting a tattoo. I said, if West Virginia ever wins anything, I will get a tattoo. Like, in any point in my life. I can be 95, and they somehow win a championship. I'm about to send you, like, their bowling championship or something. Like, hey, no, Troy, no, pay no, up. No, no. <laughs> no, we win the rifling championship every year. We're a nasty rifle school. Like, I'll most, tell you what. We can when shoot. Mountain, when you're in the Mountaineers, that, yeah. should, that should be expected. That's a student section chant. <laughs> rifle school. <laughs> We are. We're very, we're well, very good at rifle. I actually tripped out because I was watching the West Virginia game and I saw their mascot with like an actual like looking rifle. I was like, oh my god! And then I was like, oh okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a it's a mascot. Yeah, that would that would be wild. Someone just pulls up with a rifle. He's got a gun. I'm the mascot, guys. I swear. But UCLA Gonzaga. UCLA. I got the Zags. I got Gonzaga. I think that they're a team that wins. They make runs every year. It's almost like one of those that's like. Okay, how is Gonzaga going to make the Elite Eight again this year? Mark Few is really good. They've got some solid guys. I think that Peyton Clark being out is really going to hurt UCLA this game. Just Gonzaga's like, I feel like they're very fundamental as well. Just one of those teams that's like they do a lot of things yeah. right and like they don't beat themselves. The one thing, the reason I'm taking UCLA is because they have a guy by the name of Amari Bailey and in 2K23 in his draft class, he is always projected to be James Harden. <laughs> so I am taking them. I'm looking Gonzaga. I think so. Strother had ten points. I think Timmy's Timmy. He'll do whatever. I think Strother's the S factor for Gonzaga. If he drops fifteen, I think they win. If they hold him under fifteen, because he's like kind of their like exciting wing, athletic kind of guy. If he goes off, has a great game. I think he powers Gonzaga through. But if UCLA is able to kind of contain him and somewhat have an idea of how to guard Timmy, I've got UCLA winning that one. You know what? I'm going to say it. Watch out for Malachi Smith. He doesn't do a whole lot. He's their one, two, fifth leading scorer. He doesn't even start for him, but watch out. All I'm saying is he was I, he was the SOCON player of the year for Chattanooga last year. They gave Illinois some trouble in the first round of the tournament last year. He averaged 20 points a game. I, he has the ability to go out there, and he has any shot in his bag. Like, he can put any sort of – he can put the ball in the rim from anywhere he wants. Just this year he hasn't really had the opportunity. I think he's going to go off. I think Malachi Smith wins them that game. Just to kind of wrap up this section, who's your final four out of all these teams? Um, Alabama, Kansas State, Texas, and UConn. Michigan State. One, two, three, and four. That's balance. I, I'm, I'm having a tough time choosing between UCLA and UConn because, like, I have two very good argument or a good argument for both teams. No, you don't. 
the two <laughs> terrible arguments. I bought a cup for you. Bought a cup. That's a great argument. I bought a cup, and then someone made Amari Bailey way too overpowered on two K. So exactly, he's a stud. Exactly. So like, like you just said, very hard. To choose between, so I'll, I'll come back to that one. UConn, if you make the national championship, I'm buying your cup. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Um, definitely Bama for the South, and then for the um, Midwest, Miami. And then let me go back to that other one, UConn. I made up my mind. Cup holds more weight. Cup holds more we don't even use that cup. It's yes, just I the do. back <laughs> of our cabinet at home. That's not true. Mom uses it more than you do. That's not true. I'm going so UCLA, true. Texas, Kansas State, even though I predicted Michigan State, but Kansas State, and then... You're going back and forth on that San Diego State-Alabama game, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Hmm. I'll go ahead and go Alabama. I made my picks, but in terms of trying to get the Final Four perfect, that would be what I feel most confident in for that kind of Final Four. Just for what it's worth, I've got Alabama, Kansas State, uh, Texas, and Gonzaga. Yeah. So if you're listening, bet against us and yes. fade. Especially yeah. Troy. Especially exactly what Troy said. Yes. Yeah. So. I, apparently, my my sports betting is just unreal. But boys, sub Tennessee over Kansas State. Sorry. Tennessee over Kansas State you got? Yeah, I got Tennessee in the Final Four. So am I the only one that took Michigan State out of that one? Yes. Let's go. I like being different. Boys, I just looked. This has been a two-hour episode. I'm just saying this is the most fun I've had oh, yeah. in a oh, while. Oh, I love this. This is awesome. This is this is amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. I could sit and talk about sports forever. Just sitting down and actually getting four people that – like we know, what we're, not know what we're talking about, because like obviously like, we know what we're talking sometimes, about. but like yeah, you follow know, us, guys. Yeah, for real, <laughs> <laughs> we're experts. Yeah. We're gonna go ahead. We're doing our research. Exactly. Like I, mm-hmm. we're pretty entertaining. Personally, I had some good laughs just sitting in the studio. But mm-hmm. I think that this is one of the most entertaining things I've done in a long time. With that, I'm gonna go ahead and <sighs> plug all of our socials. Go ahead, give us a follow. Instagram Crescent Magazine on Twitter Crescent. M-A-G-A-Z-1, Crescent Magazine 1, Facebook, at UE Crescent Magazine, especially the Instagram. We're super active on it, posting a lot, uh, at Crescent Magazine. Give us a follow. Good time, boys. This is the Crescent Sports Report. Signing off. Peace.